Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. Just as I am with a mask to get back to church is all I ask. Praising our Savior is now our task, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. For everyone born, a place at the table. For everyone born, clean water and bread. A shelter, a space, a safe place for
Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea the Nigel, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord has said.
pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the summer of 2015, my family and I met my parents in Vancouver, Canada to see several games of the Women's World Cup. They flew from the Midwest to Seattle and took Amtrak across the border, and we drove. As we crossed the border from the U.S. into Canada, the border control agent at the booth asked us the typical questions. What's the purpose of your trip, and who's in the car with you? These are simple questions, but the latter question, who's in the car with you, doesn't always, for, for me at least, and for our family, have a simple answer. The answer requires describing our family to moms and two kids, naming us for who we are. It, 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 this question has involved in various situations, a million minute calculations, sometimes happening before the moment in preparation, sometimes on the fly when I didn't see the question coming. It has been a balancing act, balancing safety, with the importance of affirming with clarity who we are as a family, headed by two lesbians. I don't remember exactly what I said that day, but I do remember what I said on the way back. You see, while we were in Canada, a long-held hope for LGBTQ persons and our allies became the law of the land. Well, the law of the land in the U.S. at least. And you remember what it was, marriage equality. Though LGBTQ marriage was already legal in California, in June of 2015, it became legal in all 50 states. And so as we pulled up to the border booth, I remember feeling full of pride and without equivocation, when asked who's in the car with you, I said, this is my wife and these are our children. Was this the promised land I was entering? But marriage equality wasn't the only thing that happened back in the U.S. while we were in Canada that year. At the same time, activist Bree Newsom climbed the flagpole at the South Carolina State House and removed the Confederate flag flying there. She said she was compelled by the hate shooting at Mother Emanuel AME Church that had just occurred where nine persons were killed during Bible study. Newsom was arrested upon her descent. This was not the promised land. The idea of the promised land stems from the beginnings of the Bible when God said to Abraham, to you and your descendants, I give this land. And then somehow indicated that this land was the fertile and beautiful expanse stretching from just inside modern day Egypt through what we understand now to be Palestine and Israel, encompassing most of present day Lebanon and pieces of Jordan and Syria. The biblical description of the promised land has often been taken literally. And yet, this geography throughout most of history has been contested territory, no peaceful haven. When we think about promised land, 
we have to ask, what exactly is the promise? And to whom is it promised and by what authority? The violence we witnessed last month in the 11 days of destruction in Israel and Palestine suggests that a narrow and literal understanding of promise being about a specific land and a specific people will always be problematic. But what, what if we understand the promised land to be about inhabiting God's vision? What if the promised land is the destination of our hope rather than the destination of our bodies? What if the promised land means to live in the fulfillment of the law and the prophets which call us to love and justice, freedom with responsibility, and compassion for all? In our scripture today from Deuteronomy, Moses stands with the presence of God looking out at the geography that has been connected with the term the promised land. And God tells Moses that Moses will die before he enters it. After 120 years of struggle, the promised land will remain, and a, goal, uh, remain a goal and a hope, even for Moses. Many have wondered why God would not reward Moses after his life of courage and faithfulness of, by being able to enter the promised land. A minor line in scripture tries to offer an explanation why this would happen, that Moses disobeyed God by striking a rock with his staff instead of God letting God speak from the rock. And for this one infraction, Moses was punished in this way of being prevented from entering the promised land. Do you buy that? Seems far-fetched to me. Seems like some biblical gymnastics to support a literal understanding of promised land. So much happened in the 40 years that the Israelites were in the desert. And of course, we know that the journey they actually took, if you take the idea of land literally, didn't need to be anywhere close to 40 years. If you treated the journey literally like a hike with a destination for your body, it would have taken somewhere between 60 to 100 hours of walking. Most hikers I know could do that in an easy month of walking. Some could do it in a week. So why couldn't Moses get there? Why all that time in the desert? As Deuteronomy closes, Joshua is named as the successor to Moses to lead the people into the promised land. The suggestion is again of a literal geography, but God's instructions to Joshua also include this suggesting something else. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you 
wherever you go. And then Joshua, going back to the literal interpretation, leads an armed takeover of the actual literal land already inhabited by others, which leads to an ongoing need to defend, protect, fight various wars, differentiate between friend and enemy, included and excluded, good people and bad people for millennia to come. Was this God's promise? And was this a faithful response to God's admonition to follow the law in all ways, morning and night? The law that required hospitality to foreigners above all else, care for the orphan and widow? It seems to me this way of being actually created orphans and widows. Sometimes when I am in conversation with other United Methodists, particularly clergy from other parts of the country or world, I have a sense that the Western jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church seems to them like the promised land. You ha may have had similar conversations with friends and family about where you live. The freedoms and affirmation here by comparison can seem like a land flowing with milk and honey. There is truth in this perception and untruth as well. Even while I celebrate the relative freedom and affirmation that LGBTQ persons experience here, this will never be the promised land until all are free, until we don't have to defend its borders, until we have the opportunity for all persons to live with health and wholeness, affirmation and love. I wonder if the reason that Moses couldn't pass into the promised land is that none of us were there yet. And what I mean by that is that we still and our ancestors still lived with our own and their own internalized homophobia or colonial mindset or smallness or fear. Just because we can see the promised land doesn't mean that we are there yet. But that also doesn't mean that the vision isn't essential. The hope of a promised land was essential as the Israelites lived in the desert unlearning a slave mentality, embracing themselves as good and whole and blessed and deserving of freedom and dignity, and learning that freedom is about more than just one person or one group, but about faithfulness to ordering our lives in such a way that God and God's ways and God's call for all people will always be our guide, no matter what land we live in. Make no mistake about it, we are on a journey to the promised land. This is God's promise to us. This is our inheritance to be with a community that strives to be God's people, to live in love and faith and hope and justice. But we don't yet live in the promised land. When more than one in three LGBTQ persons, including four in 10 LGBTQ persons of color and six in 10 transgender persons have experienced discrimination and bias and hate within the last year, we don't live in the promised land. 
When three of ten LGBTQ persons faced difficulty just accessing medical care in the last year, in the year of COVID, including 50% of transgender persons, we don't live in the promised land. When the racial disparities and police shootings have remained unchanged, we are not in the promised land. When we continue to incarcerate persons who enter this land at the border, we're not in the promised land. When our own denomination still doesn't recognize the full humanity of all LGBTQ persons, we don't live in the promised land. What is God's promise to us? God's promise is that God will be with us on the journey. God's promise is that though the desert may be a hot and desolate place, there is enough food, enough to stay hydrated, there is community, and that we will hear the voice of God directly. The desert clarifies what is important. The journey is the path to understanding. It helps us understand the true purpose of God's law, God's ways, which is to be in beloved, just and joyous community with all of God's people. None of us can fully inhabit the promised land until we all do, until we're all ready, until we are all able to cross over. And so on this Pride Sunday, we celebrate our journey toward the promised land and the distance we've covered. We honor each advance hard won by the ones who died as a result of the injustice of AIDS, who stood up at Stonewall and in marches everywhere, who came out and said love is love. But let not our pride turn to hubris, thinking that all is done, that the promised land has been reached and we can rest and defend it, rest some more. For there are still children searching for affirmation for who they are discovering themselves to be. There are still persons trapped in gender identities that do not match God's vision for them. There are still persons who cannot express the most basic of human emotions, love. When I think back to that moment at the border, I see now that it's not so much the answer to the question of who was with me in the car that indicates our freedom, but the presence of a border at all that tells whether or not we are in the promised land. What was happening there at the, sor at the border was a sorting of who was acceptable and who was not. In the promised land, we know we all belong, and in all ways, love, authenticity, compassion, and courage rule. Let us keep journeying toward that place, and may this vision create the reality that we live in now. Happy Pride. Amen.
You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online Connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Strength and strength.